Father, for this day that you've given to us, that's not promised, yet through your grace we have it. We give you thanks and praise. We pray that we've used it pleasing to you. We're mindful, Father, of those who are ill and those who have, are on our prayer list. We pray your blessings upon them, upon those caretakers, husbands, wives, doctors, nurses. We pray, Father, for the Clark family. Tomorrow the surgery might be a complete success in every way. We pray that your will be done. Help us now, Father, in our class. Open our hearts and minds to your word. We might apply it to our lives and uh, serve thee even better. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I want to look at verse number 8. You probably know this verse. We are saved by, can you finish it? Saved by what? Before faith. Saved by what? By grace. Through faith. Not of works, lest any man should boast. I want to talk to you tonight a little bit about grace. When I was preaching uh, as a puppy preacher 100 years ago, I didn't talk much about grace. I think I was more abusive than I was uh, helpful. But as time went on and I saw the need to talk about grace and saw what grace was all about, it, uh, it changed my life, it changed my, my preaching. That all happened when I moved to Lake Butler, Florida and began to work in the prison ministry. And if there is an area that you need grace, it's certainly uh, doing that. And we did that for about um, uh, almost 12 years, even two years after we moved from there. So I want to talk to you about grace. If I ask you, if you've been in the church very long, you've got a stock answer for this. Uh, would you define grace? And you would say grace is unmerited. I can't hear you. Unmerited favor, right? I mean, that's our... That's our answer. That's what grace is. I want to give you another definition tonight. And I think, at least to me, this definition works a lot better than just saying unmerited favor. Favor that were, was given to us that we didn't uh, work for. And here's my definition. Grace is receiving not so much what you deserve, but what you need. Grace is not getting what you deserve. If we got that, we'd be in trouble. Amen? Hello? But grace is getting what we need. Turn, if you would, to John, the Gospel according to John. I want to read several verses here, but I think it's important because John starts off his gospel by talking about grace. In the beginning was the Word. This is John chapter 1, verse 1. And the Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. That Him's capitalized in it in your Bible. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. And in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined the darkness, and the darkness was not comprehended. There the man sent from God, whose name was John. This man uh, came for a witness to bear witness of the light, and all through him might believe. He was not the light, capital L, but was sent to bear witness of the light. That was a true life, which giveth light unto every man who comes into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own. His own did not receive him. Who is he talking about, by the way? Who? Class? Jesus. Okay. Just so you know. He's talking about Jesus. 
But as many as received him, verse 12, to him he gave the right to become children of God, those who believe in him, uh, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word, Jesus, Logos, became flesh, he dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory, the glory and uh, only begotten of the Father, full of what? What's the word? Grace and truth. John bore witness of him, cried out, saying, that this is he, that's Jesus, of whom I said, he comes before me, is preferred before me, for he was before me, and, his, and of his fullness we have all received, what? Grace for grace. For the law was given to, through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The Old Testament talks a little bit about grace, about finding favor, and um, I don't know if it's the first time or not, but it, it's one that I always think of when you think about grace uh, in Genesis chapter 6. Remember the whole world was evil? Uh, it seems like we're pretty close to that now, doesn't it? But man's mind was on evil continuously. In fact, just think about living in a world where you couldn't think a thought that it was not evil thought. That, that's, surely we've got better than, better than that. But the Bible says that Noah found, what's the word? Grace in the eyes of the Lord. And Tennessee Ernie Ford said, he landed high and dry. Y'all remember that song? That date me, I guess it does. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah received not what he deserved, perhaps, but what he needed. Now let's flip over in the New Testament a little bit. Turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. You know the story in John 8. A woman is caught in the very act of adultery. They bring her to Jesus. Now they weren't concerned about the woman. They weren't concerned about breaking the law of adultery. Uh, they weren't concerned about the Old Testament law that was broken. They were concerned about getting something against Jesus. And so they bring this woman caught in adultery. And they say to Jesus, in fact, they continually say to Jesus, she was caught in the act of adultery, the very act, in fact, I think is what the Bible says. Uh, the law says she must be stoned by two or three witnesses. Witnesses, What say ye? What do you think about that, Jesus? And I've told you before, it's that in debate you've got that horn of dilemma, a horn over here and a horn over here, and you get the, your debate person, you're debating in the middle there, and any answer you give is going to be wrong. It may... That may be tomorrow, too. <laughs> Any answer you give, you're going to condemn you. If he said, yes, you must be stoned, the Roman government would come because they're the ones who condemn somebody, not the Jews. If he said, she must not be stoned, the Jews, well, you don't believe the law because that's what Deuteronomy said, she's to be stoned. So any answer Jesus gives, it's going to be the wrong answer. So Jesus stoops down, and you remember he begins to write in the sand, and he may have written the names of everybody standing there because he knew them. He may have written their names and their sin because he knew what that was too. But if you remember what he said, ye here without sin, cast the first stone and stoop back down and wrote some more. Well, the Bible says from the oldest to the youngest, they begin to turn and walk away. And he stood back up and just he and the woman. What did that woman, according to law, deserve? Anybody? Stoning. Wasn't that the law? That's the law of God. She deserved stoning. What did that poor woman need? 
Grace. Grace. So Jesus says, where are your accusers? They find no fault in me. Neither do I. You go and do what, class? Sin no more. She deserved death, but what she needed was grace. Because grace is getting not what you deserve, but what you need. Uh, stoning her wouldn't have helped her. Well, I guess it killed her. I wouldn't have helped her, but, it, you know. But what she needed uh, was grace. Now turn to Luke chapter 10. This is more familiar. Um, let me just read some of that to you, too. Luke chapter 10. Let's start up at verse uh, 25. Because it's a good question this lawyer asks, and lawyers can ask good questions. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and testing attest him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Is that a good question? Yes or yes? Class, come on. Yes. That's a good question. Now, it was a wrong motive to ask him because he's trying to test Jesus. But the question's good. What must I do to have eternal life? In fact, maybe a lot of people ask that question. You know, what thing, can I give a million dollars? Can I go do mission work? Can I, you know, uh, jump higher or be sweeter? What, what one thing can I do to have eternal life? And so Jesus says to him, um, what's written in the law? What do you, when you read it, what are you reading the law? And he answered this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, uh, and your neighbor as yourself. Was that the law summed up? Hello? Y'all just looking at me tonight. Yes. In fact, when Jesus was asked that, and he gave this same answer, he said that the law and the prophets hang on these two. Because in the Ten Commandments, the first laws deal with dealing with God, you know, no God before you, and, and don't take God's name in vain. Boy, that'd be one that we need to listen to. Uh, no other God before. And then the other six deal with man, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, and not commit adultery, and so on. So those two laws, loving God and your fellow man, hang the law and the prophets. He's right. And so Jesus says to him, uh, you're right, uh, do this and you'll live. The lawyer wasn't through. <laughs> Question number two. But he wanted to justify himself. You're in trouble when you try to justify yourself, aren't you? Just take it, folks, and say, yeah, I'm wrong. But trying to justify himself, he said, then who's my neighbor? I mean, there's a lot of people. How many people on the earth today? You counted lately? Over six billion people? That's a lot of people. Close to seven now. Who's my neighbor? Which one of them? So he told the story. A certain man went down, verse 30, from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves, stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, departing, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a certain priest came by. Were priests to be good guys? Wouldn't you think that'd be a good guy? The preacher walks by, sees the man, and what does he do? Passes by on the other side. Then a Levi comes by, sees the man, sees the need, passes by on the other side. This, this poor Jew that's beaten up and robbed and mugged, I guess we call it today, may have been getting what he deserved. He may have been a bad guy. 
He may have hated the Samaritan. Most Jews did. He may have called them dogs and everything else. Most did. But what did that Samaritan need? You're not with me yet, are you? What did that man need? He needed grace. He needed help. Not what I deserve, but what I need. Um, now, the Levite, all priests were Levites, but not all Levites were priests. So the, the good tribe would be the Levi tribe. That's where the priests came from. That ought to be the righteous tribe, if any tribe. And that's, that's who passed by on the other side. So a Samaritan comes by, you remember, stops his donkey, gets down, and helps the man, pours, wound, uh, pours oil in the, in the wounds, and binds him up, puts him on his donkey, takes him down to the local Holiday Inn, pulls out his visa card, lays it on the counter, and says, I'm paying for the room tonight. And if it needs more, uh, I'm coming back through. I'll pay you more. So after all that, Jesus asked the lawyer, which one do you think was the neighbor of the three? And he said, the one that showed mercy, the one who showed grace. Grace is not getting what you deserve. But grace is getting what we need. Now turn to Luke chapter 10. No, 15. 15. Let's do 15 next. We're in 10. Luke 15. I love this chapter. This is the chapter about how you can be lost. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost sons. And uh, the sheep you know, wandered away, and the lost uh, coin was no, no fault of its own. It was misplaced by the woman. But then he tells this parable, and you know the parable, of the prodigal sons. And I may put that plural. Two boys. And one of the younger ones said to his daddy, give me my portion. And he got a third of his portion. That's what young people, young uh, kids do. The older child would get two-thirds, he'd get one-third. And the daddy just divided it up. I don't know if it took him a long time to do that, but he gave him his portion. He went off and spent his money in what? What does the Bible say? What kind of living? Righteous living. His elder brother will say to him, he lived with the harlots. Okay? Ladies of the evening. And uh, he spent all his money. All of his friends were gone. He had no money, no friends. And what about the weather? What happened? There was a great what? Famine. So, I mean, we're, you know, if we had something extra, we don't have it. It's a famine. And he joined himself, and that literally means he pinned himself like he would a diaper. He pinned himself to a citizen of that country who sent him out to feed pigs. What was the relation between pigs or swine and Jews? I couldn't be a Jew. I love barbecue too much. I just, you know, they, just, they wouldn't touch it. Everything to do with it. So he went out and did basically the dirtiest job you could possibly think of slopping pigs. Y'all ever slop pigs? Any slop pig sloppers in here? You know what slop is, don't you? Yeah. And the Bible says he was so hungry he would have faint have filled his belly with the husk the swines did eat. When you start wanting to eat pig slop, folks, that's that's pretty desperate. But if you're hungry, you know, you're hungry. And then he, the Bible says something that's really good. He came to himself. 
And he said, My father's house, and many hired servants doing better than I am. I'll arise, go to my father, and say, I've sinned against heaven before you, no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me your hired servant. What did he think he deserved? What did the prodigal son think he deserved? No, no grace. Just let me be a servant. Just let me live, not in the house, but out wherever, and I'll be your servant. And wasn't sure because it was a question. That's right. So he starts back home. And you know the story. Daddy sees him a long way off. And what's that old man do? Ran to him. Um, I haven't run in a while. I take it back, in my shop the other day, there was a cord, and I thought it was a snake. I did do a little bit, but it was more, it was more skipping than it was running. Old people just don't run. There's a couple of reasons. Number one, we can't. Number two, we can't. <laughs> but he ran to his son. Hugged him. Now, I assume he smelled like pig feet. Called for the fatty cat to be killed, a robe to be put on his back. Shoes on his feet, ring on his hand. My son was what? Dead and now alive. And he told his little tale to his daddy. Daddy, I'm not worthy to be your son. Let me be as a hired servant. That's what I deserve. That's not what I need. What did that boy need? Getting not what you deserve, but what you need. He needed a daddy to hug him and say, welcome home. Grace. Grace. The day Christ was crucified, there were two other male factors the Bible calls them being crucified. They were nailed to the cross too, to a cross. And and they were all wagging on Jesus. If you're the Son of God, save yourself, save us. In fact, one of the male factors said the same thing. He got into it too. You know, if you're Christ, get off the cross and get us down too. And one of them said to him, You shouldn't talk that way. We're getting what we, what's the word? Deserve, right? This man's done nothing worthy of death. How he knew that, I don't know. Maybe you heard him preach. He turned to Jesus and said, when you come in your kingdom, you remember me. How he knew about the kingdom, I don't know. But he did. And Jesus says to him, this day you will be with me, class, in paradise. What does that thief need? Grace. What did he deserve? Death. Lynn and I have given our lives to the church. Ever since college. Actually, before that, spent 
51 years preaching here and there and yonder, and still preaching. Try to raise our girls up in a Christian environment. So when problems come, and they always come, they'll think in a Christ-like manner what to do. Uh, I've always worked for the church. Even as I work at Faulkner, it's really church relations. It really is. Let me tell you what I deserve. Death. A cross. But let me tell you what I need. Grace. I need God's redemption at Christ's expense. I need grace. Because you can't be good enough, sweet enough, do enough, act right enough, climb high enough, do enough mission work, do enough writing or Bible study or whatever it is you do. Can't do anything to merit forgiveness. I'm saved by the grace of God. Through faith. If anyone could claim works, it would be Paul. In fact, he flat out said, I've done more than anybody. <laughs> I mean, I've done more than the rest of the apostles. I've been shipwrecked. I've been beaten. I've been in jail. I've been in prison. I've snake bit him. And, you know, I mean, on and on. But still, it's grace. It's still grace. So I hope tonight when you think about grace, you'll think about not getting what we deserve, because that's death. But what I need. We're saved by grace through faith. And the working of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So. If you want to say it's unmerited favor, that's okay. But I hope back in your mind somewhere you'll say, yeah, and it's getting not what you deserve, but what you need. There are other stories we could talk about. There's so many in the, Old, in the New Testament showing God's grace. In fact, it's interesting that Jesus didn't talk about grace. I thought, well, that's interesting. He was grace. He was grace personified. When a man was sick, he would heal him. When a young girl was dead, he'd raise him, raise her. When someone was blind, they could see after Jesus came by. He was grace personified. If you and I get a little glimpse of that in our life and try to live like that in our life, I think other people will see it too then they'll come to know the grace that Jesus offers. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for letting us have a perfect example of how to live, how to get along with others, how to forgive, how to forget about ourselves and think about others. Thank you, Father, for the grace of God that you've given to us through Jesus.
Help us be mindful, Father, of those we come in contact with. We might share with them the good news about Jesus and share his grace. Thank you, Father, for not giving us what we deserve, but, oh, Father, what we need. To think we can live here, be forgiven of our sins through the blood of Jesus, and then to have a home with you eternally, so undeserving we are, but so grateful and thankful to you. In Jesus' name, and amen.